Welcome to the Chronic Spoonful podcast, where we discuss real life with real chronic illness. Each week, we'll cover an aspect of real life spoony living and what that can mean for different chronic illnesses. We hope this will be a place you can go for updated spoony info and where you'll find humor because, you know, we're a little crazy, important information, and community. As a disclaimer, we just want to remind you that, yes, we'll be talking about chronic illness and health information, but we are not your doctor. Everyone's chronic illness is different, and we are absolutely not MDs, so we are not qualified to give you medical advice. We're going to tell you unequivocally to discuss anything we talk about on this podcast with your doctor. So, hi everyone. Now that we've gone through all our disclaimers, we'd like to welcome you back to the podcast and talk about what's new and noteworthy this week. We really hope you guys all had a great week. We'd love for you to share it with us. So as a reminder, tell us how your week has been going. Um, You can share your comments on our Facebook page. Feel free to at us on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, any of our social media pages. We really want to hear from you guys. It's a great way to share. It's a great way to, you know, form this community um, because, you know, in the chronic illness world, there's a, you know, there's a lot going on with ourselves and we can share some great advice. But again, there's some new, you know, newsworthy stuff happening in the world. And like every week, because we're not getting away from it, we're going to talk about COVID. Of course we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to talk about COVID vaccines and how eligibility is expanding in a lot of states. Um, Nicole, I think uh, Illinois is expanding. That everybody's able to. It's everybody yep. As of April 1st, everybody is eligible now. We're into 1C. So every, and they just, uh, which I thought was exciting, is that um, this week they're saying they're applying for emergency funding for Pfizer for kids 12 to 16, which I'm super excited about because my niece won't be 16 until November and we have a wedding to go to and I need her to be vaccinated. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So this is exciting news, but, but yeah. Yeah. In California, I think we are expanding. We're 50 and up right now. And then on, I think it's April 16th, it's expanding to, uh, I think anyone's 16 or 18 and up but it's expanding in a huge way as of mm-hmm. April 16th. So it's going to pretty much be the entire state. And I mean, I think they said 50% of the state has gotten their first shot uh, at this point. And so we're really, we're really moving forward with people getting vaccinated. And I think they discovered that the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine works against the South African variant at like 90%. Yeah, I thought so. So that's great news because that variant was crazy. Man. I mean, uh, no one wants that variant. It was just like really bad. Um, So that's great news. That means it'll probably work pretty well against the other variants. Um, I haven't heard anything about Moderna or anything else, but probably expecting that they'll work around the same rate. I hope so. The CDC then announced that, you know, people who've gotten the vaccine can travel moderately safely if they want to, but that they're saying is to still keep it at only necessary travel. So don't go traveling all crazy like, which makes sense because even though you're vaccinated, you can still carry COVID. So you may be vaccinated, but you can still give it to people who aren't 
which in our community really matters because there's a lot of people who are immunocompromised mm-hmm. who maybe, you know, haven't been able to get the vaccine yet, or if, even if they've gotten the vaccine, maybe more susceptible to still getting COVID and no one really wants to get anything that's even remotely like the flu or a cold. So let's just be careful still, which. And there's other, I mean, we're not sure they're saying Pfizer is, is, was it Pfizer or Moderma? They said that you cannot spread it, but one, the other ones they're not saying that about yet. We have to be very careful with those. And if they're not protecting you against all variants yet, that means you could possibly be a potential carrier for one of those variants and still kill somebody else. You need to be extremely careful with this. When you're right. in public, we still have to wear masks. They're saying only you and a select group of a small group of friends, if you're all vaccinated, after two weeks of your last vaccination, can get together for small gatherings. Me personally, I'm still wearing a mask, but for a while yet, but um, especially in public. But I don't feel comfortable getting together with a group of people. You know, and when I'm vaccinated, I'm still not going to, not for a while, not until we have this variant situation figured out. Agreed. The variants are, I think, what is still bothering me a little bit. And that's why I question about opening all this stuff up. Like, I really question if a lot of these states are opening up too fast. And, I, and I'm not talking about the, the crazy states that are like, open everything up 100% and get rid of the mask mandate. Because that to me is crazy. That's yes. just, that's just I'm, I'm putting those aside into the crazy box. But there's other states that are just opening things up with mask mandates and, and, you know, trying to do a lot of that. Like I think, you know, LA just LA County just moved into the orange tier of their tiers. And so they're opening up eating indoors, I think at 50% capacity, um, shopping has increased capacity, which I discovered at the grocery store yesterday (laughs) as a Trader Joe's. And I was like, why are there so many people? And then I realized, oh yeah, they increased capacity inside the store. And it's a holiday weekend. (laughs) No, no, no. I want to go back to standing in lines and having fewer people (laughs) in the store. Not even because of COVID. I just really liked that I had space. Oh my gosh, yes. I got used to having like elbow room. Yes. Um, I'm just not that kind of people person, guys. Welcome to my world of introversion and not liking being touched. Um, So... (laughs) I was like, no, too many people don't like this. Ah! <laughs> and yeah, but in any case, so things are opening up. I just, I don't know. And maybe this is what everybody's talking. There, there's a lot of articles that have come out about people having to readjust again to quote unquote normal life. Maybe this is my problem with readjustment because maybe we're not moving too fast. Maybe this science is saying we're moving along just fine. And and I'm just freaking out about variants and I'm overreacting. I don't think you are though, because the doctors are even saying that we're opening up too fast. The CDC, who was it? That that woman, the director, she yeah. came on and was talking about that and she was crying, you know, yeah. because she's seeing an increase. There's, I think they said 12 states that are increasing in COVID numbers, you because know, and that's that. still going to be problematic. You know, you're still going to be taxing out your healthcare workers. And if your healthcare workers are taxed out and they're not going to work because they're, you know, at PTSD or they're so tired or whatever, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. We need to look out for our healthcare workers. Yes, you know, this I is important. I do agree with that. I think we do need to be looking out for the healthcare workers. And I do think we need to make sure we're slow and steady. Slow and steady wins the race. Yes. I mean, I know that that's like kind of an over, maybe, I don't 
know if it's overused anymore because everyone seems to be in such a rush for everything. Oh gosh, yeah. But <laughs> it's a, it's the tortoise and the hare and the slow and steady wins the race and all of those those things. I I look at it like okay, so we open up, is everybody prepared to shut down again? And that's the big question, because if we're going to open up this fast, there is going to be another surge. Are we ready to shut back down? Are we ready to then keep doing this like like a New Zealand or these other, air, I keep using New Zealand as, as a reference because They're it's fabulous. always the one that pops, it's always the one that pops up in my head. Mm-hmm. But um, France just did it. France just shut down for three weeks. I think Italy did too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they were open, they, they did it, but now they saw this big surge in numbers. So, uh, Macron was like, shut it down, just shut it down. And they shut down now because they saw a surge and they'll reopen again when, as they see numbers go back down and they'll do another reopening. But I don't know if Americans are ready to do that. I don't think we've we've mentally prepared our country this type of pattern where you you see your numbers go down and you can open for a while and then as they come back up you shut down for a while and then you you do this cycle and that's what the cycle is supposed to be. Yeah. with with this pandemic and it's what it was always supposed to be. So yeah, I do question if we're moving too fast because I don't think Americans psychologically are up for this pattern. I don't think no. we've educated enough people in Agreed this pattern. And there's so many people that are fighting this. They're not fighting this because of COVID. They're fighting this because they're in the, I'm going to fight the man stage, you know, and they think this is what they're doing. And it's like, you're not hurting anybody, but yourself and the people around you and other people that you come in contact with. You're not doing anybody a service. This is absolutely ridiculous. Well, in these countries that are doing this pattern and are, and are doing it. Okay. Still also have the fight the man people. They do. Of course Um, they do. You don't hear about them as much because obviously the so many things going on that you can't do that. There, there were protesters. Was it in Italy? I'm trying to remember where they were, but there's been protesters in those countries fighting these lockdowns, fighting the shutdown of, of things. There have been, but overall, there's been a much better response to lockdowns than we've had here. Yeah. We've had terrible responses to lockdowns. Oh, and yes, we have. Mask mandates. Just and terrible. I, I don't get it. I, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, pandemic. This doesn't happen every year, people. This is a pandemic. This is something we need to take seriously. And it it, it happens like maybe once a century, yeah. if that, like once every couple hundred years. So no, this is not something that anyone is used to dealing with. The, this isn't. It's new. It's new. And you're going to have to deal with new. But yeah, people have a hard time with change. And I understand that people have a hard time with change. It didn't help that we just went through the past year with a lot of misinformation being put out there. Yes, we have. There was no plan for dealing with this, that, you know, there were a lot of ostriches putting their head in the sand. Yep. Sorry, ostriches, because you don't know, like real ostriches don't do that, but fake ostriches put their head in the sand and don't want to deal with, with nope. it. And so a lot of stuff went out there that was wrong and people believed it. And now we we have to kind of backtrack and re-educate and, and people need to learn. And a lot of people have learned the hard way at this point, you know, I'm really, I, I don't want to be a total negative Nelly. I'm really happy, happy that things are moving forward. I'm really happy that, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting vaccinated, that other people are getting vaccinated so that we can still, we can start seeing each other. We need some social interaction. We do. Like even me. Social interaction. 
even me, who's like a total introvert, really loves the fact that I can like see people I haven't seen. Like I'm going to be able to go to a wedding after, like right after my second vaccine kicks in after my two weeks. Will I be masked? Of course. But I'm going to a wedding where everyone at this wedding is vaccinated. And it's not like a hundred, it's not a huge, huge wedding, is it? No, no. It's a very small group of people where every single person who's going to, who's present at that wedding will have been vaccinated. It's going to be amazing. And, and I get to be social with people I know and love and adore. I can't wait because it'll be like the first real like social thing I've done in ages. And then I'm going to be socially exhausted, like the introvert I am, and pass out afterward. (laughs) (laughs) For you introverts out there, you know what I mean. It will take everything out of me. I'm telling you, there's like, especially for me, like seeing my dad, you know, and like my nieces and, you know, my goddaughters. And I mean, just like, it's making me nuts not to see my family and my friends. And I mean, like, I've only seen a couple of friends during the pandemic. We've always um, sat in the garage or sat outside, even in the cold. We've always worn masks. One of my friends, uh, Dwayne, that comes over, he um, will sit in the garage with me and he always double masks just to make sure he's like, I just would feel so horrible if something happened to you. So, you know, I just want to be able to like see them and hug them. Like just to give someone a hug. I'm an affectionate person. I want to hug my friends. I miss the hugging my nieces and my goddaughters. I just want to kiss them. And I'm just so excited. So, but I, I've told people too, I said, look, if you're not vaccinated, um, if you're not planning on being vaccinated, we cannot have the same type of relationship, you know, that I can have with vaccinated people. We're still going to have to wear masks and still not going to come in the house. You know, I just, I can't take those chances. Yeah, I mean, and that's where we're still at. So, you know, while vaccinations are happening, thing, you know, eligibility is expanding, you know, travel's opening, things are opening, masks are going to be around for a while. People yep. need to still get used to them. Yep. People need to get used to them. They're not going away for a long time. It's not a problem if you want that fancy mask. It's okay to buy it. <laughs> I bought so many. <laughs> Right. You can still, my friend. <laughs> right. You can still get that glittery mask. It's yeah. all good. You can still get that mask with that saying on it. All good. You're cause you're still going to wear it for a while. Yeah. We're still going to be in masks. So that being said, uh, that kind of goes into how we're doing and what's happening with us. I'm still spending a lot of time in masks and seeing doctors. And this week my neurologist decided to up my gabapentin So I'm going up to mass, maximum, well, almost maximum dosage. I mean, I've heard of people going up to like 5,600 milligrams a day, which I think is crazy. But uh, in the next few weeks, I will be up to 3,600 milligrams a day. I hope it does wonders for you. Which which my poor dad thinks is like, I'm totally overdosing. (laughs) He saw the (laughs) bottles. He was like, because my dad, you know, has has, uh, peripheral neuropathy and takes like, I think he takes one pill, like 600 milligrams a day for that. Um, And the doctor's like, that's the maximum you can take. And that's all you can take and blah, blah, blah. So my dad is like all freaked out. And I'm like popping these pills like they're candy. I'm like, no effect, no effect. So the doctor's like, okay, let's see if you you can titrate up and see if you can tolerate it. So my paranoia is that I'm going to titrate up and nothing's going to happen. And then I'm going to have to do the withdrawal to come down off of these things. Because mm-hmm. I have heard like not so good stories about withdrawals from gabapentin. So let's hope it works so that I don't have to do any 
thing. I hope it works for you. Me too. I mean, it's worked. Like my energy is up and it's taken the edge off of like overall body pain, but it has not helped in the areas I have like significant sharp pains. So we'll see. So that's, that's been like my report for the week. How about you, Nicole? You know, I've, I've been in a flare. I've been in a lupus flare for a year and four months. And my first year was brutal. The last four months since I switched from, I was doing chemo, I was doing Rituxan and uh, stopped working because I time out all my medications. So um, we went back to a med that I used, I think six, seven years ago, which is Celsept, which is a wonder drug for me. Um, And it has really helped. It's brought the flare like down by 50%, but I'm still flaring. Like I I work um, during the week, I work three days a week and two of those days are back to back. And that for me is extremely rough on me, but it's nice because then I have three days off, but I went and picked up my niece and we, I took her shopping and that was too much for me. That was three days of being up and on the go. And I am flaring horribly today. I just, I'm in pain every single, I'm swollen. Every joint is swollen. Every joint is red. I am extremely fatigued. I, I feel like somebody beat me with a baseball bat, but I mean, for me, I know like I'll flare like this when I overdo And then I just know I need to be really good at my self-care. I need to do a lot of resting, a lot of laying down, a lot of just chill activities. If I'm going to do anything, I need to be sitting. So this weekend, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to, you know, do absolutely nothing. So I just need to relax. And and I think that's really a good point is like, you're taking care of yourself this week, this weekend. And I think that kind of, you know, that's kind of what we talked about last week with, with Susan. Uh, Masterson in the podcast when we, t- when we talked to her about Sjogren's and her book and she made, she made a lot of good points. So about self-care and taking care of yourself. So I think if you guys haven't listened to the podcast from last week, I think it'd be really good to go back and kind of listen to her talk about how important self-care is to our chronic illnesses and taking care of us Yes. Her journey, that was a big part of her journey was learning to take care of herself. Um, I think it's part of all of our journeys, really. It is. Is is how to how to manage that because we have a tendency to push ourselves a little too much sometimes. Yes. Yes. And then we pay for it and we pay for it hard. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, and no matter, it doesn't matter how much medication you are on and, and there's no medication that is going to, to magically make that push go away. No. Like the, 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 the post push, uh, repercussions go away. Yeah. Like, I think medication helps you on a day-to-day basis, really manage like the day-to-day stuff, but it does not help you. The medications don't help you when you've overdone it. No, it just doesn't. No, it doesn't. You just, once it's gotten to that point, you need to take a step back and Mm -hmm. you need to sit down and lay down if you need to, you know, do, you can do like a a very nice, listen to some relaxing uh, meditation Mm -hmm. and you can get those on YouTube. Um, You can do all kinds of things for self-care. Reading is a good one. If you want to relax, you know, if any of you have hobbies like crocheting or knitting or, you know, anything where you can just take it down a couple notches and bring yourself into full relaxation mode is important. And I like to, I like to watch learning videos sometimes where I just like, cause I hate feeling unproductive. So, (laughs) and I'm sorry when I lay down and just feel icky, 
I feel like I'm not doing anything and it's a terrible thing. So I like to like learn things. So I'll just like watch videos on like how to do this and how to do that. So yeah, I will lay there and watch those. And sometimes I fall asleep in the middle of them, but I feel like it's like osmosis. So I'm learning via osmosis. I don't know. It's just, a, it's a stupid thing in my head, but I'm okay with it. Awesome. I love learning, learning videos. I love YouTube. Like I'll go on YouTube when I'm really feeling like this. And if there's something specific that I want to learn, I'm like, okay, today is the perfect day for that. I'm going to sit up in my bed. I'm going to watch these videos. I'm going to learn something. Yeah. Some of it, you know, just, and when I go to sleep, if I fall asleep, I go back to history and rewatch it. I'm like, okay, I was oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone ever wants to watch drunk history. It's awesome. Oh my um, God. Yeah, it is. And then also I like listening to a lot of podcasts. I like listening to like political podcasts and inspirational podcasts and they're podcasting and YouTube and all of that is fantastic for people who are chronically ill because it's like short and sweet and you move on to the next thing. So, but speaking of chronically ill, um, when we have issues, who do we go to, Nicole? We go to our doctors, our doctors. right? Yes. Yes. So that brings us into what the topic is today and probably maybe why you are listening um, because a lot of us have issues talking to our doctors and getting what we need out of our doctors. Very true. Um, and I see in a lot of Facebook groups I'm in and Nicole, I'm sure you see it too. People mm-hmm. saying like, I'm not getting what I need from my mm-hmm. doctor or my doctor is not listening to me. Yes. And it's incredibly important to get what you need from your doctor. Yes. Um, and I'm not trying to put down doctors. Like they're super busy. Yes. They have Um, a lot on their plate. Most doctors are overworked. Yeah. And I don't care what people say. They think doctors make a ton of money and they're super rich and like they, they're just snotty snobs and like, I don't know, they have yachts and they're all out there. And I'm sorry, that's not the life of a doc- most not doctors. Not at all. Doctors are, are, are overworked and underpaid most of the time because absolutely most people don't see the expenses that doctors have. Nope. Um, Especially you, the malpractice insurance. Oh my gosh. It is insane. Yes. Malpractice insurance is crazy. And I'm not saying that doctors don't get paid well, they get paid well. But a lot of them have insane student loans because medical school is crazy expensive and malpractice insurance is crazy expensive. Very. I mean, there is just, there are expenses when you are a doctor that people just don't even know. So like I feel for a lot of doctors and then insurance companies expect you to see and hospitals expect you to see so many patients and so much time. There are expectations on doctors that like a lot of patients don't understand. Agreed. So do you have some sympathy for your doctor. Yes. Okay. Like there's, there's a level that we all need to understand. And so I will defend them to a point. Yeah. Right. And then also when it comes to chronic illnesses, there's, there's the zebra theory and which is why like the symbol for chronic illness is a zebra. Doctors are taught when you hear hoof, hoof beats, the sound of hoof beats, you expect a horse to expect a horse. So they look for horses, they don't look for zebras and we're zebras. Um, So that's why like a lot of things you see with chronic illnesses are zebra prints and all that because they don't expect us to come. And when they see us, they're gonna go for the horse stuff first. So that's why we get frustrated. Yeah. Because they'll look for the simplest answer before they'll look for the complex answer. Anyone wants to understand that they can go to watch House. Yeah. House is one of the (laughs) best shows to watch 
for this because the number of times he says it's not lupus. <laughs> well, I'm so glad he did that because that brought a lot of attention to lupus awareness. So yes, it thank did. You, Dr. House. <laughs> yes, it did. But it also shows that like that you need to look, they, the first thing they're going to look for is a simplest answer to your ailment. And that, and that's true. They, they should look for the simplest answer first, mm-hmm. but we're not the simple answers. No, we are complex answers and we cause them a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> we cause them. My rheumatologist looks at me like I grew five horns and <laughs> seven tails because I don't fit the mold for like a lot of things. Like my POTS is weird. My, my EDS is weird. My, like everything's weird (laughs) in my body. My lupus is weird Um, too. So I get it. You know, but all of ours is, if you look at all of us across the spectrum, if you take, if you take 10 lupus patients and put them together, they're not all the same. Mm -mm. If you take, if you take 10 RA patients and put them together, they're not all the same. They have some similar symptoms but they're not all the same. And that's the issue with most of our chronic illnesses. So it's really important that we, we are able to work with our doctors and work with our doctors well, because we are each extremely unique. Yeah. And so that's why I think we wanted to do this, this conversation about talking to your doctor and, and why it's like, why, how to get what we need from our doctors. Absolutely. Um, and how to find a, you know, when you have a good doctor, you know, it's great when you find a good team and you can trust them and you can open up to them and you can, and they know you. That is, that's what I, I try to get across to people too, is that it is really important to have a solid group of doctors that you trust that you need yes. to go to. Jumping from doctor to doctor to doctor for no reason is not a good idea. No. And this is not finding a doctor that just gives in to you at whatever whim you not have. You do need doctors that will confront you. Mm-hmm. And you do need doctors that will call you out on some things mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry, you're eating too many ho-hos. You have to stop that. You need doctors that will do that. Like you need, you need both sides of it. So it's not about doctors just giving in to you all the time. Nope. It's, it's about doctors that will take the time for you and will listen to you. That's why it's get, giving you what you need, not giving you what you want. Yes. Right. There's, there's a difference. So, um, and sometimes finding those good doctors doesn't like means going outside your comfort zone or your locality. So like I travel a good 40 minutes for my, my primary care physician and my cardiologist. I travel a little over an hour from my, I, I travel into the city for my rheumatologist and my endocrinologist because my thyroid is actually in the wrong place. So I have to have a very specific and very specialized physician that takes care of me. Yes. Um, but I want, I mean, as a nurse too, I mean, I feel like I want the best, the best, the best. And I usually, I find that in a teaching hospital in, in the city where they've seen a lot more than you would in a suburban facility. So mm-hmm. I go, it's worth it for me. And when I need to see, I had to see a hematologist because there was, my blood work was kind of wonky one time. And we wanted to make sure that, you know, I didn't have any, like some cancer cells popping up or something. So we just did like a generalized panel, but I went to a specialty hematologist who was yes. used to dealing with chronically ill people on these medications. And I went back into the city. Yes. And for you, that's what an over an hour drive. Yeah. 
And if it's um, in traffic and when I would make my really early morning appointments, that's why I leave my house at six in the morning. But when I would do like a nine o'clock appointment, it was a two hour drive into the yeah. city and bumper to bumper traffic. Yeah. I mean, that's long. I mean, look, at I'm, I have to go. I, I still haven't been diagnosed with mast cell activation syndrome. Um, they think I have it, but the doctor that they want me to see isn't taking, it takes a year to get in to see her. So I'm not seeing her until next February. But she's the best in the area, and this hey, is what specializes in. So, yes, do I have some discomfort and issues? Yes, but do I know how to work around it? Yes. Am I willing to wait so I can see the best? Yes. Yes. Because and I want to see case, the best. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm like I know how to work around my issues right now, so I can deal with the bouts of pain that I have because I. I know how to work around them and I have the ability to like lay down when I'm having issues. It's, it's what I deal with. I've dealt yeah. with it long enough. I can deal with it for another year. Is it ideal? No, it is what it is. I want to see the best person for my situation. Absolutely. It's so important and, because and not all doctors are equal. Just no. you know what I mean? They're really not. No. So sometimes it's, it's really, and that's kind of goes into the researching when you're, when you're in the initial stages, it's researching your doctors. It's looking them up. It's when I, when I look for a doctor or I'm, or like, if you have an HMO and you're assigned a doctor, you have to like pick one. Oh man, it's time to Google and Google deep research deep. Like yes. don't look at that first page of Google, go five, six, 10 pages deep into Google, look at different sites, look them up on the board. Like Nicole, like you look them up deep. Too. I do. I go to their, I go to this, whatever, whatever state you're in, you go to the board of professional licensure and you look up your doctor to make sure they haven't been sued. There are some doctors that are able to work and they also have some pretty intense charges that they've been able mm -hmm. to get back their licenses. You know, like there's a, I've seen quite a few people that have, you know, had their licenses taken, taken away for, you know, like DUIs or, you know, they've been using drugs and they were caught and, you know, other things too. I mean, you right. just never know. You have to look up your doctors. Now, now let's, let's talk about lawsuits. So there's like frivolous lawsuits and yes. then there's like, then there's like real lawsuits. Like some people suit, like some people are just sue happy. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. So, but if I see my doctor has been arrested for sexual assault. Oh yeah. I'm not seeing that. Doctor. We're not going to, we're not going to go. No, 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 no. no. If I know you, like, I, it sounds awful, but if I know you have a history of addiction, I'm not going to see you because the, the relapse rate is so incredible. That's not saying anything about anyone who struggles with addiction. It happens, but for me and you're taking care of me, I can't take a chance that you're going to relapse while taking care of me. Exactly. I can't do that. Yeah. Like we, we just have such a, we have a high rate of seeing our doctors and seeing our doctors regularly that, that that's just too, too much for us. Like our issues, like we need to have a doctor that we can be consistent with. Yes. That's why, that's why I travel the 40 minutes to see my primary care physician because she knows me and she knows me so well. Like she is my hub. She's my hub to all my doctors. Yeah. I, I need that. And my cardiologist is just, he because my heart issue and my POTS is so weird, I don't want to start over. Like, I, because I moved this past year, I don't want to start over with a new cardiologist. He just, he knows me so well. He understands that this is just like, it's so weird. The things that go on with my cardiovascular system, I travel to see him. And when he, when he needs to refer me out for testing, he refers me out to the best places to go for testing. My doctor's like, too. 
Yeah. He's like, okay, you're going to go here because they're doing this, this, and this, and this is the new technology and this, and, and he explains things. And I just, I'm not going somewhere else. That's where I go. Yeah. And I, you know what I have, I always, you know, cause I've been a nurse over 23 years or something now. And I had the advantage because I knew of, I'd say at least half of my doctors, we worked together. You know what I mean? I worked the, right. the hospital with them or the doctor's office or whatever, um, or the nursing home or whatever. So I knew what doctors to stay away from and which ones were great. So, right. and, and I would ask my doctors and a good thing to ask your doctor. I always say to my doctors, if this was one of your kids or your spouse or or someone you loved, your mother, sister, whatever, who would you refer out to? And yes. be honest with me, because I want to know who you would see and who you would pick for your family. That's a great question with, since you have that relationship, but I mean, and you were lucky to have that relationship. Mm-hmm. I fired a lot of doctors though, Kel. I mean, I fired a, a large share of doctors who were not taking <laughs> care of me properly. I didn't think twice about it. I'm like, you are not fulfilling your need or my need. I, and I gave them, I give doctors a lot of, you know, I will give them some chances, but yeah. there is an, there's, I think it's obvious sometimes that the person that you're interacting with just doesn't care or they are, they're too tired or they're lazy or whatever it is. You just can kind of pick up on something. Is not right? Yes. And when that happens to me, I'm like, time to go. So, so let's talk about that a little bit because there's, there's, there's a difference between a doctor who just doesn't have a great bedside manner mm-hmm. and a doctor who legitimately doesn't care. That's right. And like, like, um, I have, I have a doctor, I'm not going to say which doctor it is in case, you know, anyone who ever listens ever knows, but I have one doctor who has a terrible bedside manner, but who's really good and I just sometimes need to like refocus that doctor's attention yeah. a little bit. That doctor, he, he just doesn't like, he's just not a bedside manner doctor. He's not mm-hmm. like having a great conversation with you and share personal stuff and all that stuff. It, it's, that's not his thing. Right. Mm-mm. But he's good at what he does. Really good at what he does. Yep. So I have to refocus him sometimes and be like, get your nose out of your computer. Stop taking notes listen to what I'm saying, focus on this, the person. Um, And sometimes that's very different than a doctor who is just really not caring about you at all. Oh, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. There, there is a difference between also like a doctor who's had a bad day or a doctor. And it's okay if your doctors don't want to be your, but your best friends, they're not supposed to be, but you know what? I mean, for me, because I am such an extrovert, it does help if I can interact with my doctors, but I have a doctor who also is very, like, he just has a very, like, you know, kind of the, his affect is just kind of flat. And he is one of the best doctors I have ever had in my entire life. And it's not because he's a very nice person. Once he gets going, he talks. I mean, but it just is his personality. And I adore him. I really do because he's so good. But I also really generally like him as a person. But, you know, you kind of have to give people maybe one or two chances to kind of warm up to Mm -hmm. you, too. Yes. And, And I think once you but then there's also if it's not working, you can't be afraid to go to a new doctor. Agreed. You just can't. I know it's a pain. I know it's like, oh my gosh, I have to start over and I have to tell them everything and I have to re-educate them. And oh my gosh. Overwhelming. But like, if you're not getting your needs met, like your needs are the most important thing. That doctor is working for you. Mm -hmm. And just yelling at the doctor that they're supposed to be working for you, it's not gonna, like at, at a certain point, 
that's not going to do anything. All it's doing is increasing your stress level. Really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a certain point when you have to say, okay, it's time. It's time to go to a new doctor because really like this is just making me worse. It's not making me better. I'm not like my pain isn't improving. My, you know, neuropathy isn't improving. My life isn't improving. You know, and, it, and it can be any type of doctor. It could be your therapist. It could be your dentist. It could That's be your right. eye doctor. Like whatever is not working, it's time to change. It's yeah. time to change. And yeah. you don't have to tell that doctor you're going to go to a new doctor. Nope. You can just go to a new doctor um, you're, and, and start it's perfectly over. okay to go to a new doctor too. Yeah. Yes. You And I mean, I used to have a real hard time with like, asking my, like, if I felt my doctor wasn't doing what I needed, I had a real hard time bringing it up. I was very intimidated when I was first sick. Even as a nurse, I was overwhelmed. I was young. I was in my early twenties and I didn't know how to talk to doctors. Even though I talked to them for work, I did not know how to talk to them about myself. I was scared of them. I felt like, okay, well, you know what they do know more than I do, but I had to take that control back for myself that I still have a certain form of responsibility for my illness and I deserve proper treatment just like everybody else does. And what they think of me or what I think of them or any of that stuff isn't the important issue. No. And by the way, if, if, if you're telling them what's wrong with you and they're like, I don't care, I don't like you. Okay, fine. I'm going to go find someone that does. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I've got my body to take care of. Like, oh, yeah. I don't care if my doctor doesn't like me. <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, honestly, what do I care? I'm paying you, period. I'm not yeah. paying you to like me. I'm paying you to fix me. If I know I'm my not... doctor's on point, I'm, I, we don't have to like each other. If yeah. I know you're on point, you know, with what my, my rheumatologist is on point. He's been one of those doctors who has fought for me. He's been aggressive with my treatment to where it's needed to be. I truly believe if it wasn't for him this year, I wouldn't be here right now because there were times this last year I thought I was dying. I really did. And my doctor jumped right in there and handled his business. And I have yeah. a major respect for him. I mean, but it took you years, Nicole, to put this team together. Years. I fired so many doctors. And I know people hear me say that and they probably think I'm crazy, but there was so many doctors. I had one doctor yell at me because I, I told him, I'm like, every time I'm here, you're an hour late. I have things I have. I have to either see you at lunch or I've got to be at work by a certain time. You're not the only one. And oh my God, he yelled at me and he had an attitude. And that was, I was like, oh, I got up and I left. I said, you will never speak to me that way. He made me that mad. Normally I would have cowered, but I was so angry. I yelled back at him and I, I never saw him again. And I would, I wouldn't recommend anybody to see him, but you know, that was a situation that was really hard on me. I was very scared. I mean, it is okay to confront your doctor. Yes, it is. It is okay to confront your doctor. It is okay to say no. So I like, I like to tell the story about my chemistry professor in college (laughs) because I Honestly, I just think it's a, it was a great story. He told us this story. Um, he was working in his lab and he spilled something. He spilled something on the floor and I can't remember. I want to say it was cyanide to be honest. And, but I can't remember what it was. And he stepped in it. And he, so he knew what type of poisoning he had. He had heavy metal poisoning and he went to the doctor cause he knew he had to get something to like confront the heavy metal poisoning. And so the doctor went back. He's like, okay, I'm going to prescribe this for you. And this chemistry professor was like, are you trying to kill me? <laughs> and the, the, the doctor was like, what? And he's like, I have heavy metal poisoning. That's going to kill me. 
because it would like interact with whatever heavy metal was in his system and it would have oh, coagulated geez. in his blood and all this stuff like it just would have it would have like gone straight to his heart and like killed him oh wow. instantly um or whatever and like the only reason he knew this is because he was a chemistry professor if he hadn't been so good at chemistry the doctor would have killed whatever other patient was now mind you probably the other patient would have been wouldn't have been working in a lab and stepped in whatever the chemistry professor stepped. <laughs> but the point was the doctor was wrong yeah. the doctor was wrong in what he prescribed and the, the chemistry professor was knew his illness knew what he like had research like had the knowledge to confront the doctor like didn't just accept what the doctor gave him, confronted the doctor. And I think for me, you know, I had to confront my doctor when I was 16, when I had mono and my doctor tried to tell me I didn't have mono. I had every symptom of mono and the doctor tried to tell me because I can't get strep throat that I can't have mono. Oh, and wow. I'm like, no, no, I have every symptom of mono. And mono had been going around my high school. So he reluctantly did a mono test and it came back positive and i was like uh, told you have mono uh. <laughs> so i learned at 16 the doctors yeah. are, can be wrong and then it was reinforced in college with my chemistry professor and it just continues like not that continues to be reinforced that doctors are wrong but continues to be reinforced that you can confront your doctor and no one is perfect. A right. doctor is another human being. They are going to make mistakes. They're, a doctor, it's not like they get up in the morning. I mean, there has been some cases where, you know, weirdos have been doctors and done weird stuff. But the yeah. average doctor is not out to hurt you. They're, no. you know, you they really do. If they make a mistake, it is a genuine mistake. But that's why when you get a new medication, that's why the pharmacist says, we're not going to give you this medication until we talk to you. Exactly. That's who, every new medication you get, you should be running it past your pharmacist too their specialty is drugs yes. and so you should important. be googling it too yes and you should also do your research both. both of you should be doing your research mm -hmm. you should be looking it up you should be making sure there's no contraindications there there's no mixing with your medications or your vitamins or your minerals everyone should know everything you're taking vitamins kelly brought that up vitamins are you can when they ask you to fill out what medications you're on you need to make sure you're putting in your supplements they interact with medications too at times yeah it's extremely important that everything you put in your body and you're taking you let your doctor know about right because like People don't think that that vitamin is going to interact with, with whatever you're taking, but it absolutely can. Like with the gabapentin, you can't take um, magnesium-based antacids for a certain number of hours after you take the gabapentin. Um, the grapefruit, Nicole, mm -hmm. like you, you, you're a big yep. person who's like, grapefruit's a huge thing. Yes, it is. It's, and yeah, it's big. You don't, there's a lot of medications you cannot eat grapefruit or drink grapefruit juice with and take any, you can't drink it any time of the day, even two hours right. after. And you know, and acids like Pepsi, Zantac, all that stuff that should always, it even says in the box to take an hour before an hour after meals. But what it doesn't specify is medication, which should always be for right. be an hour to two hours after your medications. Yes. yes. I know people so you, who take their Zantac with their medications and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, gosh. why are you doing that? No, I mean, you, so you really have to pay attention. And we take with chronic illness, you know, we take tons of medication. I mean, we've all taken the pictures of our pills and we're like, look, it's my morning breakfast. Uh, and for me, I take all my pills at night because 
whatever, like it's easier on my body. If I'm going to be sick, I'd rather be sick while I'm sleeping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like yes. whatever, mixing my belly while I sleep. Do that. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it's really important, but doctors, uh, we have a nurse friend of ours that, that always reminds us. She's like, you guys, it's called practicing medicine for a reason. Practicing the truth. Right. So you, you've got to keep that in mind. Doctors are human beings. They are not perfect. We have to help them. They learn a lot in medical school, you guys. They don't learn everything. They can't no. retain every no. little piece of medical knowledge all the time. Uh-uh. But you want a doctor that's going to do their best to look up what's wrong with you, to help you through your illness, to like want to, that wants to get to know everything about what makes you a zebra. Yeah. Like that's the doctor you want. The one that's fascinated by your zebra qualities. And that's why I keep my cardiologist. Mm -hmm. He is absolutely like, this is just fascinating to me about you. Um, Those are the doctors you want to keep. Like not Mm -hmm. the ones that are shying away from you because you're a zebra. You want the the doctors that are like fascinated by you as a zebra. Um, But, and so like, as you're talking to them, evaluate them on that quality. Like as you're, as you're meeting your doctor, if your doctor is not fascinated by your zebra qualities, that's the doctor that's got to go. It is. And you also have to remember too, is I want to encourage everybody to make sure that you go to see a specialist for whatever you're dealing with. Do not Mm -hmm. just see your primary for, um, you know, like for my lupus. I don't see my primary for my lupus. I see a rheumatologist. I don't see my cardiologist for my gynecological needs. I see my gynecologist. There is a reason why there are specialties. When your doctors go to med school, they only have, I believe it's 12 weeks per subject on each you know, illness or whatever. So your ER docs are good at patching, you know, pump patching you full of holes or, you know, filling those holes when you got some holes in your body, or if there's an emergency, they're going to stabilize you and they're going to send you up to the attending on the floor. You know, it is really important to make sure that you have the proper doctors treating the proper things. Yes. I a hundred percent agree with that. And that's why when my specialist try to, when one specialist tries to talk to me about another specialty, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I move on. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to get back to the specialty I'm here to see you about. Yes. But it's up to us because we're in the middle. We're in the middle. So we're in the middle of all those specialties. So it's up to us to make sure we're putting those pieces together. I am lucky enough to have a general practitioner that likes to help me put all that stuff together. Mine does too. In the middle. And sometimes the rheumatologist is also really helpful at putting all those pieces together with Mm -hmm. you. So it's good to have those conversations with those doctors about what all your doctors are saying, because they help you put pieces together because they also understand a lot of the medical terminology. Yeah. Maybe goes over our heads. So like my GP gets all my reports. She gets report. She can see all the notes from all the different doctors because um, I see my doctors within certain systems, and I've connected all those systems for my GP to see. Me too. She gets all those notes, and it's really helpful for her to see. So th- that really helps me. But again, like I've worked hard to find the right GP. I worked hard to find the right cardiologist. And, and I have left other doctors because they haven't been helpful. And I've seen in a lot of my groups, like people just going, I don't know what to do. My doctor isn't listening. I don't know what to do. Like my, you know, this doctor is mean, find a new doctor. Mm-hmm. Like if they're not listening, 
and you have voiced your concerns, find a new doctor. It's not easy. It may be calling your insurance company because you have a, an HMO and you, you're going to have to fight your insurance company mm -hmm. to change. You might have to fight. Some insurance companies will listen and be like, okay, you're not getting the, you have to say you're not getting the care you need. Yeah. You have to say they're not treating you properly. Yes. And you know, you might have to say that several times and give reasons and give some specifics, but you, you will need to tell them you need to change your GP or whatever, and they will change the doctor for you. Yeah. Or you'll need to go back to your general practitioner and say, this specialist is not working for me because they're not listening to X, Y, and Z. They're, they're, or they're counter. This specialist is saying this specialist is wrong and now they're, they won't treat me right. So you might need to go back if you have an HMO, it can get a little complicated, but, but if you're, if that doctor's not working for you, go and ask for a different doctor. And make sure that when you do see your doctors and you're, and you are able to assemble a good team, that you let your doctors know what is going on. Like I signed this, I forgot what it's called, something of care, where all my doctors mm -hmm. are able to see all my other doctors notes, yes. no matter what system they're in. Because you don't, if the other doctors don't know what your other doctor is doing for another condition, that could still interfere with the condition you're seeing this doctor about. So everyone needs to know what everybody else is doing, yes. especially when you have a team like we do. I do the same thing. I've signed the same thing. I also babble to all my doctors. Me too. I don't care if they're like, I don't care if they're disinterested. I'm like, they're like, how are you doing? And I'm like, and this has happened with this doctor and this has happened with this and this is happening with this. And I'm taking this and, that, 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 and I can too. like their, their eyes just go wide and I don't care. Me I don't too. care. I stopped caring a long time ago what the doctors think. Um, I'm also older though. I think as you get older, you stop caring. I think if I was 25 and diagnosed, this would be a much harder thing for me to absorb. I know when I was 25, I was much more intimidated. Um, I think because it started when I was 16, it, I wasn't as intimidated as other people I know. I give this advice to a lot of people who don't even have chronic conditions. I'm like, talk back to your doctor. Don't yeah. just listen. Also get a second opinion. For everything. Sometimes you need three. You are like, I don't care if you think your doctor is going to be offended. Exactly. Get a second opinion. Like a friend of mine, um, one of her doctors was recommending spinal surgery. I was like, oh no, That's you three opinions. a second opinion. Yeah. And a third. That, wow. That has to happen. And she did get a second opinion. And that doctor saying, I don't think you should get spinal surgery. See, and then that's when you go to a third doctor and say, okay, this is what one's telling me. This is what the other's yes. saying. Because of these reasons, here's my records. What do you recommend? Because now she's got two that are like countering each other. So I think it's really important that like, that, and she did that because I was like, no, 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 don't just, like spinal surgery is a really big deal, Huge. right? And I just was like, no, I know you're having problems walking. I know you're in pain, but spinal surgery is a big deal. See if there's something else they can do. Talk to another doctor because yeah. I just felt like the doctor was too eager to cut. But yeah. that's just me. And I was just like, get a second opinion now. It's second opinions are so important. 
I go to second opinions. I saw one actually recently when I, I went to see my, one of my doctors, I forgot one of my more minor doctors, but for something, and I'm forgetting what it was because the brain fog, but um, I did not like, like, I was like, I'm, I'm not sure if that's, that's, that's right. Like, I, I mean, I know he's the doctor, but I'm like, something didn't sit right with me. And when I went to the other doctor, I went to, down to the city and he was like, the doctor's hundred percent right. He's like, and let me show you why. And it made me feel so much better, but something just didn't sit right with me. It made me feel better to get a second opinion. He didn't say, Nicole, I see in your record here that you went to see a doctor. He was like, he didn't say anything and he, he didn't care. He's like, whatever works for you. And, and most doctors, like you just have to get over their ego. They, some doctors just have egos and that's just what they are. And there are certain specialties where it's like, it seems to be inbred in them that they're going to have egos. So what? Agreed. So what? Like, Agreed. I don't care about your ego. I care about my health. I had to have surgery once and I had the doctor bring in two students and he's like, okay, this is what we're going to be doing. And I've never had a surgeon do that to me before where they normally will ask you, is it okay yeah. if I have a student or a fellow come in and watch the surgery? And I, I'm not about that. So that's one thing for me that I do not allow. I don't allow students in my room. I don't allow students to learn off me. A lot of people will be okay with it. I'm just for, just as who I am, I'm not comfortable with that. And this was a very personal surgery. So I didn't want the whole room with filled with a bunch of strangers. And he had an attitude that I wouldn't allow it. And I was like, um, before we go into surgery, we need to talk because now you've made me uncomfortable. Well, and mostly because he didn't ask beforehand. And he was rude when I told him I didn't want the students in there. He made and, an assumption. You know, it's ridiculous. And that's, I would never think, you know, it's bad enough. They strip you down naked in front of everybody in the whole world. You know, when you go into surgery, I'm like, uh, don't you think I'm not a doctor. It's not like I'm doing this stuff every day. You need to make sure that I'm personally comfortable also when right. I'm, when I'm totally putting my life in your hands. Yeah. I would, I, I mean, now I've had it where I've allowed students in for things. Cause I believe that we do need to teach the next Agreed. generation of students. I agree. But um, I was asked before anything and I was asked very kindly and I was told it's absolutely okay to say no. Like it, w- there was a conversation yet. That should have been how it was handled. Well, which is I the way it was supposed that. to be is the way it happened with yeah. you is the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. No, that was rude. Terrible. It made me very uncomfortable. And I was terrified. I didn't think I would wake up. I'm like, oh my God, people are going to be experimenting. on me. You know, just no, like, I, crazy I remember when you had, I remember, remember that? when you had the surgery because oh. you're very, you're very scared of surgery period. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of things though with you that could go wrong in surgery, like with your thyroid, mm-hmm. like there's all kinds of things that could, that puts you in danger with surgery. Yes. So no, I mean, just no. Yeah. Totally not. Okay. Not and you okay. know, me and Kelly were talking earlier too, and it's really true. When you go and see a doctor, make sure that you write down questions beforehand, because yes. if you get easily intimidated or you get um, easily forgetful, like we do, um, <laughs> it's really important to say, oh my gosh, you know what? I'm going to forget this. I'm going to write each, you know, bullet point or question down and then take notes. No matter yes. what the doctor's telling you, no matter how minor you think it is, it's really important to keep track of that. So I, um, when I first started having symptoms and I, and I knew I was going to see the rheumatologist for the first time, I actually wrote, um, wrote all my symptoms down in my phone. I put all my symptoms into my phone Smart. and when I went to the rheumatologist, she's like, okay, so what are you feeling? And I'm like, okay, let me bring out my notes. And she was so impressed with that because I, because there's no way I was going to remember everything. There just was no way. Mm-mm. Um, like when I had, when I had fainting spells, when I had dizzy spells, um, you know, when I had, you know, 
when this joint, so I had a subluxation, when I had pain here, pain there, I, no way I'm going to remember all that. Mm -mm. Too much brain fog going on. Too too much. Like, when was I taking naps in the afternoon? Because like, when was I laying my head down on my desk? I can't remember all that. I can't remember, like, people ask me questions. They're like, when did you work here? I'm like, I don't know that year. And they're like, no, Kelly, you worked there from that year to that year. I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks. I don't remember dates, times, anything. Mm-mm. Like my brain, I'm, by the, even though this is pre-brain fog, I am terrible with dates. I'm the worst person to ask when something happens. I still write 2010 down on my checks. <laughs> don't ask me that. Just don't. Like I'm like, it happened sometime around here. And that's as good as you're going to get. Good as you're going to get with me. So writing things down is so important for us. When we go into when we go into our doctor's appointments it really is it's incredible but these are these are things though like this is how you talk to your doctor because when you write things down you are able to speak to your doctor in an authoritative manner in a clear manner mm-hmm. and and doctors kind of respond to that a little bit better mm-hmm. um when you're not sure of yourself they can walk all over you. When you talk about doctor training, it's harsh. Yes. And so they're, they can kind of also be a little bit harsh when they come back at you because that's just what they're used to. So if you can speak to them in a, in, as an authority on your illness and yourself, they respond a little bit better. But that's why I always say advocate for yourself, advocate for yourself. And that's why Nicole says, if you can't bring someone with you that can, Always, if you can bring somebody with you, because especially for like, you know, with Kelly and I talking about like our brain fog, any, any people out there that are struggling with brain fog, it is always really good to have a second set of ears with you. Yes. If you can, if you have anybody, um, and don't be afraid to ask a friend if you have to, or, or a family yeah. member, you know, to take notes for you. Yes. Or I take notes. I'll be like, okay, hold on. I'm going to write, I'm going to write this down or put this in my phone. Like I have no problems telling the doctor to hold on while I take notes. Me too. Because I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not going to, I'm like, you know, I have brain fog. I'm not going to remember this. So let me take these notes. Mm-hmm. They're okay with it. Like norm, mm-hmm. a normal doctor will be okay with it. If your doctor's not allowing you to do these things and is dismissing these symptoms, it's time to fire your doctor. Oh yeah. Oh these, yeah. These are the things like, again, Nicole and I are going to stress. It's okay to fire your doctor. It is and by the okay. way, just because one of your friends loves this doctor, just because someone else says this is the greatest doctor they've ever seen doesn't mean you're going to jive with that doctor. No, it doesn't mean they meet your needs. No, and, and because sometimes that person does really well with that doctor, but you don't do well with that doctor. Don't stick with the doctor just because someone else does well with that doctor. Find a doctor that does well with you. That meets your personal needs. Right. It's really important to learn whether you Google it, practice it with family members or friends. It's really important to practice mm-hmm. being your own advocate. It's yes. very important. And also just because someone is the best doctor doesn't make them the best doctor for you. Either. That's right. Like the best is nice to see. And like, I talked about seeing the best doctor in LA for, you know, mass cell, but what if I see her and then I hate her? I'm doubting I'm going to hate her. So let's not go that route. But like, let's say we just don't work well together. No. You know, I'm totally okay going to a different doctor that might advocate better for me. Yeah. Isn't, you know, isn't the top doctor in LA. 
Doesn't mean they won't be good. Yeah. Doesn't mean they won't be good. They might be great for me. Right. Yeah. So you like, it's okay to not go to the doctor. Someone else thinks is fantastic. Like I did that with a dentist once I went to a dentist. It was recommended by everybody I knew. And I was like, this dentist is so fantastic. I hated this dentist. <laughs> I, did. I hated this dentist. I couldn't stand this dentist. All this dentist wanted to do was put me back in braces, then cover my teeth and make them whiter. Then like, I swear he wanted to do $40,000 of work in my mouth. He's like, Dang. my mouth is too narrow. Like he wanted to give me a celebrity mouth. Like, uh... I'm sorry. I don't think I need all that. No, I, I don't like, yes, I need a lot of work in my mouth, like, please, but I don't have like buck teeth or like overlapping teeth or anything. There's other things wrong with my teeth that need a lot of work, but it wasn't cosmetic. Right. He want, all he wanted to do was cosmetic work. I'm like, yeah, it's making him some money. I need like five root canals because I have like broken roots. You aren't even talking about that. I mean, he was terrible. Like, I was like, I don't need to see you. No, it's because, like, you know, who's I'm obviously paying for your next Jaguar. Or Jaguar. You know who's recommending him to me? People Ooh. with healthy mouth. People who didn't have chronic illnesses and all that. And like, I need to go see someone who is, who's used to like chronic illness and those type of things. Yes. Um, how different medications can affect your mouth and your teeth. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't have like normal cavities or anything. I get like stuff way up in the roots of my mouth and which is why I have like a root canal every time I go to the dentist. That's awful. I'm used to it. I'm used to it now. The things we can get used to. <laughs> like, I feel no pain in my mouth, guys. It's just that thing now. I'm like, yeah, just pull that tooth. I don't need Novocaine. Fine. Um, the one place I don't feel pain. I feel pain everywhere else. Uh, but yeah, no. So I was like, I'm going to a different dentist. You all love him, but not me. Yeah, it wasn't a fit for you. Right. And, and you've done that. You've gone to doctors that probably were loved by other people who saw that doctor and oh, yeah. it just didn't work for you. And they were like, I can't believe it. You just didn't fall in love with. And I've recommended doctors that were really good to people. And they were like, you know what? It just didn't fit. I just wasn't feeling that person. Okay. Yeah. It's all good. Exactly. And it's all good. So don't feel like you're going to be stuck with this doctor because someone said that. No. Um, don't stay with a doctor don't stay with a doctor if you're seeing a bunch of red flags when you're seeing them. If they're, if they're any type of abusive towards you, any, any type of abuse towards you, that's an immediate gone yeah. and a report. Yeah. Don't let the doctor gaslight you. Don't let them condescend to you. You know, don't let someone be nasty to you. But again, like if, if it's any type of abuse, don't hesitate to report that doctor. Always report it, please. Because abusiveness is, is, should not be tolerated Mm-mm. ever, Mm-mm. ever. And by the way, there's also plenty of places to rate doctors. Yes, there is. I like to go to those sites to see if it's a doctor I should see. If you love a doctor, rate them. If you don't like a doctor, rate them. I mean, it, it's just really helpful to other people to do those it ratings. It is. Um, but also report them if they're abusive. Yes. Because if they're abusing you, they're abusing other patients too. That's right. And no one deserves abuse. No No one. They don't deserve gaslighting. They don't deserve abuse. You don't deserve it. No. At all. 
No. no one is deserving of it. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your disease is. I'm going to get angry now. You're going to hear my voice, like get super like angry because I get really angry when people are abusive. Me too. Um, no one deserves it. No. Um, if you're, if your doctor is racist, yep. says racial things, says, puts you down based on your sex, puts you down based on your sexual preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there's a lot of issues out there right now with trans issues. Yes. And um, chronic illness. And African-American too. Yes. I've had a lot so, of problems. Yeah. So really you, you, you need to not stay with a doctor that puts you down based on anything like that. You don't owe your doctors anything. No, um, it's just, in, it's just, into, it's just intolerable. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even sorry for saying it. No, it's inexcusable, not intolerable. It's inexcusable. Sorry, yes. I used the wrong word. It's inexcusable. Agreed. So you can see that Nicole and I have spent a lot of time around doctors, <laughs> working with them and, oh, and yes, seeing them. Yes, we have. Um, and just for, I just don't tolerate it anymore, guys. And I'm sure that there's others of you out there that agree that you're like, just fire the doctor. And then there's other ones. I know there's other ones of you out there that are like, I don't know how to fire my doctor. Yes. It's, it's, it's I'm telling you, after you fire your first couple doctors. It, it's like, it's like eating a piece of cake. Deal. Yeah, it's, it's no big deal. And because like Kelly said, you don't have to tell them. You can move on right. without telling them. Because I at first thought if, when I tried to fire my first doctor, I thought I had to tell my doctor because I thought I had to tell my doctor so I could transfer the records. And then I realized, no, 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 no. My new doctor's office reaches out and gets the record. And then you don't have to do any of it. You just go see the new doctor. That's you right. do none of the work. And if your new doctor, try, if your old doctor tries to reach out to you, A, that's unacceptable and kind of icky. So don't answer. And if they start harassing you, you report it because that should not be happening. If somebody wants to call someone, the, the receptionist might follow up. We see you haven't been in. Is there, is everything okay? You know, I, I well, switch yeah. my care and um, they'll be contacting you for medical information. Thank you. Goodbye. That's it. Bye. You don't, you don't owe them any explanations. You don't owe them anything. It is, it is your right to switch your doctors and it is your right to get the care that you need. And just as we were talking about before too, about bringing an advocate, I wanted to remind you guys, uh, because Kelly had brought this up before and it was a really good point. We're in a time of COVID. So a lot of the times you can't bring your advocate with you right now, but you can have them on speakerphone. I am my, one of my, one of my real good friends. I am the person who speaks for her power of attorney for healthcare. So I am on her, on all her appointments on speakerphone. As long as I'm off work, I take those calls and I talk to her doctor also. So. I actually should be doing that for my dad because he forgets to tell his doctor things all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, did you talk to your doctor about this? He's like, no, I'm okay with it. And I'm like, no, you're not. Uh, <laughs> like, it's still important. Ah, it's like, come on. <laughs> talk to your doctor about that. Yes. Yeah. The number of times I went with my dad to the doctor and his, his old doctor, he's seeing a new doctor now. And the number of times I went to the old doctor and I would be like, yes, doctor, have you talked to him about this problem? And he's like, what problem? I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I want to scream. 
but it's just the forgetfulness and yeah. we have a lot of forgetfulness. So yeah, making lists are, that's really helpful. Having an advocate, so helpful. Um, you know, it, I think the other thing is like setting goals for your care. So talking to your doctor, like about what the doctor is doing for you, making them explain what they're doing. Sometimes doctors will just like throw prescriptions at you or tell you, do this, do this, do this, but making them explain what all those things are for. They know what it's for because, you know, they're, they're prescribing it. So they have it in their head, but sometimes they forget to take it from their head and give that information to you. Right. Yeah. Cause they could be so used to explaining it too, that they're like, Oh, I may have explained that already. And they didn't. (laughs) Right. So make them explain it. Um, and I mean, don't like be rude about it, but just be like, I don't understand why this is happening. Like why you're doing this or why this is this and have them explain it and, you know, take the notes and make sure that like, if they're giving you specifics that you're writing down the specifics, Yes. but know why they're doing certain things. Like for me, I know why my neurologist is upping my gabapentin. We have an agreement that we're going to try and get me to max dose to see if that helps with my pain. And then if it doesn't, like this is our experiment on the gabapentin. <laughs> and if it doesn't, then we're gonna do the horrible withdrawals and take me down and try another medication um, because the other medication options I'm not really thrilled with. And I, I, there's just some things I don't wanna do. Um, so we're really hoping that like the max dose of gabapentin works. Um, so this is a conversation the two of us have had about it. And that's, that's the things people I think forget to do is they just take what their doctor is telling them to do, but they don't ask the why. Or what is it supposed to do? Or how long should I wait? And what is a symptom I should expect? Or what is, how long should I wait for this even to kick in and start working for me? What do I expect? Well, yes. And that's that I can give a perfect example. So a friend of mine was given Cymbalta by her doctor, um, and like, I love my Cymbalta. I know I other love people mine that too. hate it. Yeah, and I, I know other it. people that hate it, but like she was given Cymbalta by her doctor, but her doctor forgot to tell her that when you first start Cymbalta, you can have really bad bouts of nausea um, when you're first on it. And it t- can take up to four to six weeks for that nausea to go away. And then when it goes away, it just goes away. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you're fine. Yeah. And my friend was like, I think I need to stop taking it. I feel so sick. I feel so sick. I'm like, no, no, no. Just keep taking it. I promise this is going to go away. I promise it's going to go away. She's like, how do you know that? And I was, so I walked her through what I went through and I'm like, how did your doctor not tell you this? My doctor walked me through everything I was going to experience with this Cymbalta in the first like four to six weeks. She sat me down. She's like, this is how it's going to progress. This is what's going to happen. Don't miss a dose because this is what might happen to you if you miss a dose. Well, her doctor did none of that. Her doctor mm-hmm. just gave her the Cymbalta. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes doctors forget, you know, or they think they told you or whatever, but it's important to, to, if your doctor forgets to tell you, cause sometimes it's an honest mistake. If they genuinely forget to tell you, say, oh, you know yeah. what I, well, so could you, could we go over the Cymbalta like in more detail? Well, I think sometimes it's our responsibility to make sure we ask. I and agree. I said, and I said, you know, did you ask how this would affect you? And she's like, no. So I, I think like if your doctor is going to give you something and doesn't give you an explanation, make sure you ask for the explanation. Absolutely. Know 
know what you're going to get out of it. So these, these are the things of how to talk to your doctors. Don't, I think we need to get over this fear that we're inconveniencing the doctor. Agreed. Oh, that's huge for people. We are not inconveniencing the doctor. We, we are paying the doctor to take care of our needs. That's why they went to school. Exactly. Exactly. They are providing us a service. So it's like you going to work, you go to work to provide someone a service to, to make something that someone's going to use to, you know, sell someone something that they're going to use. You give customer service to someone. The doctor is giving you customer service. I don't know why we forget that. That's right. When we go into a doctor's office. It's hundred percent right. So you need to look at the doctor of, okay, you're going to provide me this customer service. Part of your customer service is to look at my body and tell me what my body you know, needs because something is wrong with it. So how are you going to fix this? How are you going to repair this? And part of that repair is to make sure that we know how to function as they're repairing it. Right. That's right. They need to give us an instruction manual. Yeah, seriously. And it's okay for your, like my doctors are so cool with like, if they're not sure, they're like, you know, Nicole, not a hundred percent sure where we're going with this or what this could be. So I'm going to go ahead and refer you to somebody that that is their field and their, you know, their specific, you know, that they're, that they look at this specific condition constantly. This is not something I deal with on a regular basis. I don't want you to be diagnosed wrong. They're humble. They're very humble. And, and I, I so love doctors that. that do that. Like Me that's, too. that's what my rheumatologist said. She's like, you know, mast cell is not my specialty. Here's someone who is, you know, the, yeah. your, 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 cause she thinks I also have like fibromyalgia on top of the EDS. So go see the neurologist because yeah. he's going to deal with the fibromyalgia. So all of this together, like she knew that she wasn't going to be able to deal with all of the different issues. So refer you out. Like it's just, they're so like, you just have to find the doctors that are willing to. And again, don't be afraid to ask. They're providing you a service. Don't be afraid to find a new doctor. Yes. It's so easy for me to say, because I've done it now so many times. It's hard the first few times you do it. Yes, it is. It's so hard. And it stinks because you're hurting and you're in pain and you need your doctor to fix it. And it is like, and you're just, you're, you're already frustrated. You're so frustrated. Yes. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I have to, now I have to find a new doctor. And it is just, you're like aching inside. You're oh yeah. Inside. Especially if you, you know, really genuinely like your doctor, but you know, I mean, that could be a situation too. I've genuinely liked some doctors I've had like a lot, but I know that it came to like the end of the road for us. Like he couldn't help me anymore and he just didn't have what I needed and it was hard to leave, but I left. But you left. I know it's, it's so rough, but, but again, it's still about your needs and getting your needs met. It's just look, it, the, the, the doctor patient relationship is tenuous at times. And it's, and for us, it's especially hard again, zebra. They're looking for horses. We're zebras. We have to know more about zebras and we have to teach them to look at the zebra. Absolutely. So it's, you have to learn to talk to the doctor in a way to get them to listen. And if they're not, it, you have to find a new doctor. That's right. 
And, you know, reach out to your friends and family, reach out to the support groups you're in. Those are other good support ways of getting what you need and saying, Hey, I live in this area. Who are you guys seeing? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so excellent. And I've seen it a number of times in the groups that I'm in, like I'm living in this city. Who can I see? I'm not afraid to travel this far. Um, it, it's, it's so helpful. I mean, it's much harder, I think in remote areas and I'm sorry for people who are in remote areas. It's much harder. Um, but again, also the virtual environment makes it so much easier now. And, you know, if you're not in a situation where you need a bunch of tests or anything, you can talk to a lot of doctors virtually. We, we have technology today that, that you can see a lot of doctors that you couldn't see before in a virtual environment. It, there's so much, there's so many options, but I think learning to step up yourself, learning that you are the most important person to take care of. So I think that's what we have for this week. I think one of the things that we are going to come out with that maybe will help a lot with this is in the next couple of weeks, um, Nicole and I have been working hard because we've realized one of the things that we want and that we wanted for ourselves was a planner that would help with these things. So we realized in these conversations we keep having with people, we're like, track this, make a list of this, do this. And we're like, okay, is there one place we can put all this? And we can't find one. (laughs) So we are going to come out with a planner a, a, um, or the, the chronic spoonful life planner. Um, it's kind of just going to be a medical planner where everyone can um, keep track of their medications, keep track of their doctor appointments, keep track of their daily lives and, and their medical lives and, you know, what they're eating and all this stuff. And we're going to kind of put it in one place for everybody. Um, and we're almost ready to launch it. So um, keep an eye out. We'll make an announcement when we do. It's, it's hopefully going to be this month. We just got to make a few more tweaks and get a few more things ready. But we're really close to it. And we're going to be really excited to launch yes. it for you guys. So we're really excited because if yes. you guys think you're going to be excited, Nicole and I are like chomping at the bit. Oh my God, we're totally right? excited. <laughs> um, because let me tell you, I've got like, I keep this little notebook where I like log all my symptoms every day. And now I'm like, oh, it's going to be official and I'll have an official place to like log everything properly. And it's going to be so cool. Um, so stay tuned for that. Stay yes. tuned. We're really excited to yes, be able to it's going to be super awesome. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's it for this week. We hope you guys have a good week. Take care of yourselves and we will chat again next week. Thanks for joining us, you guys, and giving us your time. And we truly care about you and would love to hear anything, any kind of feedback or any questions you would have. Facebook group, join us. That's right. Join us, guys. Please do. Interact with us. All All right, right, y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.